0: come early in the morning to the tomb from the other Gospels to do a better job of getting Jesus' body uh, embalmed or uh, wrapped with spices Uh, chapter 20 verses 1 to 10 Now on the first day of the week
1: Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, but he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to the
0: right, so we're on Sunday morning, very, very early. Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb. We know that she'd been connected with some other women (coughs) as well. She evidently gets there first. The stone's already been rolled away from the tomb. Um, And what does she do when she realizes that Jesus' body is not in the tomb anymore? She runs
1: to get a couple...
0: She wrote to tell a couple of the disciples who were the two, Peter and probably John, the disciple Jesus loved. So, this is a quick thing. I mean, just uh, Friday late afternoon, they put his body in the tomb. It's already gone. I wonder what happened to it. That's kind of been the conflict through the ages. And while an empty tomb doesn't prove Jesus' resurrection, what would have happened if the body had still been in there? Any way to preach the uh, resurrection successfully with Jesus' body in a tomb just around the corner? You know, somebody said a Jerusalem secretary on her lunch break could have taken a 15 minute walk and verified that that, that cave was empty. You know, what happened to the body? You know, that's what. Magdalene didn't know she runs and tells him the body's not there the tomb's open the, the, the rock stone has been rolled away from the, the mouth of this, this cavern but there's no body in it so Peter and the other disciples run there who gets there first the other disciple who goes in first <laughs> wouldn't you know? <laughs> you know his natural impulsiveness as soon as he gets there he goes right on in barges in and uh, then finally they other to stop and listen what do they see when they go in? Yeah, they see the burial cloths. Now notice how this was. They went in and, and there's these linen wrappings in verse 5 and 6. The face cloth, which had been on his head, one line with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So it's kind of like you've got the face cloth over here rolled up, you've got the wrappings here that what you'd expect? No. What happened when Lazarus arose? He came up yeah. He still had it. Oh, when he come out, came out, I don't know if he had to be jumping around or quite how he was able to move, but Jesus said, "Unbind would Um. him. Is there anything about the way these wrappings are that would make you think the body had not been stolen? The fact. Yeah, in fact, it was rolled up. It's orderly and organized. You know, how do robbers leave a house? They put the drawers back, everything back in, you know, and all that. Never! Why, why don't they do that? Absolutely, they want to get out of there as quick as possible. There are no real marks or traces of haste here. This is an orderly scene. So that's really impressive. The other disciple (laughs) sees all this and he believes, even though he really didn't understand yet that this was according to the plan. Jason? I would say if
1: someone's really stealing
0: the body, would they even leave the wrapping. Well, yeah. You wouldn't bother to take the time to unwrap it. Especially, you know, you
1: have to get past the guard and hopefully they didn't hear your (laughs) old stone (laughs) away.
0: Hopefully they stay asleep which they wouldn't have been anyway, you know. Yeah. I have a question on verse
1: eight, where it says that uh, he saw and belief. What do you think that's talking about?
0: Well, I think he sees the orderly scene that Jesus body is not there, and he believes he's raised from the dead. That's right. Speaking of
1: um, report or is it the
0: resurrection. I think the resurrection, but he believes based on his sight. He hasn't understood it from the scriptures yet. Other comments or questions through verse 10. Okay. 11 to 18.
2: But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, and stooped to look over into the tomb, she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had fallen, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. All
0: right, Mary's back at the tomb now, weeping. What's she thinking? Someone stole the body. Yeah, where they take him? she She's emotional about his death and you know she wants to come to the tomb and grieve and, 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 and see his body and it's not there and it's confusing and she looks into the tomb and what does she actually see inside the tomb believe it or not? <laughs> <coughs> two angels in human form. How else could you see two angels? She sees these two angels sitting you know, kind of uh, the head and feet of where Jesus had been lying. And they ask her why she's weeping. well oh, they've taken away my Lord. I don't know what they where they've laid him. You know, she's, she's kind of preoccupied with finding where they put his body. I, it, you know, maybe that seems like an irrelevant detail, but I think in her emotion and grief, she really wants to see his body again. She, she perhaps wanted to... Im- put spices around it better and so forth. And so that's what she's really focusing on right now. I don't know where he is, where have they put him? I can't find him. And uh, you know, she turns around, there's somebody behind her. And, and, And that figure says, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She thinks he's the gardener. You know, the guy that was kind of the caretaker of the cemetery, whatever. And so she's kind of, either he took him or he knows who did. And and so she says, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. What's odd about what she says right there? That may be, I'm thinking something else. Think about the conversation. What does she not say that you think she kind of needed to say? communicate clearly who's the, who's the him? She is so focused on Jesus She's so involved in, in, in Jesus. She doesn't even bother to identify him. Oh, if you've taken him tell me where you put him I want to see him. You know, it's just typical of somebody who's just so overwhelmed that's all they're thinking of they don't, it just doesn't even occur to her perhaps to use the name Jesus to identify who him is she doesn't have a room for thinking about anybody but him she didn't recognize Jesus you know, she hadn't understood who he was yet we'll talk about that as we go through this and, and think about that a little bit but she didn't until Jesus does what Call her <laughs> calls her by name you know uh, the, the sheep know the shepherd and he calls them by name he says Mary and the way he said Mary suddenly it's Jesus what does she call him Rabboni, my teacher wow isn't this incredible (laughs) you know she had thought he was the one responsible for Jesus' disappearance from the tomb well he kind of was wasn't he (laughs) It's Jesus himself. And I assume that she just latches on. She's not going to let him go. You know, he's there, and she's just clinging to him. Wouldn't you do that? I mean, wouldn't you feel that? And he says, stop clinging to me. I have not yet ascended to, my father, to the Father. Go and tell my brethren that I will. You know, I, I don't think Jesus is going to allow her to think that she can just latch onto him and cling to him and hold him back. He will go back to the Father. He's not here permanently now. But she's said as an apostle to the apostles, go tell them uh, about this. And he, she does. She goes and announces to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. If you had been making up this story, as just a made-up concoction, tell me she would have been the first one you'd have had Jesus appear to. Why wouldn't you have chosen her as the first witness? I can think of two big things. She's a female. She's a woman. Now, I know in our society that might not have made as much difference, but it would have been theirs. You wouldn't accept the testimony of a woman as being as objective. A man's testimony would have carried more weight. But what else about her? I don't know about that. But what had she been? Yeah, she'd been possessed by demons. You're going to be have an ex-demon-possessed woman as the first one Jesus appears to? If you're making up the story, it's the way it was. It's interesting, Jesus chose to appear first to her and uh, she be the one that first bears the news to the apostles comments and questions on this section
2: yes Gary what's your take on on the change in Jesus' appearance because other gospels mention they're not able to recognize him Uh,
0: has he physically changed and he looks like someone else do we know I don't think we know and it's one of my next points we'll talk about it here for a second there are, um, there are some things that are interesting about Jesus bodily form after he's raised I, I mean on the one hand what are some things that you can remember in the gospels that shows that he was raised in a physical flesh and blood form he ate, he ate cooked fish and ate it
1: he had the holes in his
0: Absolutely. You, you can touch him and there's the holes right there where the nails were. so he's got the wound marks. Um, that those things would make you think you know he's got a real you know body and a body like the one that was crucified. I mean still got the marks. And people did recognize him ultimately. But look at the things that make him seem different. Like he apparently just rose through his grave clothes. You know, I don't know how that worked exactly. Uh, We'll see in verse 19, the disciples are there in a room with the door shut. And suddenly Jesus is right there. Like he didn't come through the door. He just showed up right there in the room. Now, Jesus did some pretty amazing things in his personal ministry, but I don't remember him ever doing something like that. I mean, you know, Jesus did, as far as we know, have to walk or or something to get there. I mean, Jesus didn't suddenly just appear in the boat with the disciples when they were in the middle of the sea. He walked across the water. I know that's amazing in itself, but he didn't walk to get there. So Jesus just showing up in the room seems to be different. And then the fact that Jesus wasn't always recognized. He wasn't recognized at first by Mary, and he wasn't recognized at first by the disciples, though they were to a for our way in chapter 21. I'm not sure what to do with all that. Maybe Mary didn't recognize him because she wasn't looking for him. She's crying. She's emotional. I mean, you can see how, you know, she might just, you know, she wouldn't look at her. The the two on the road to Emmaus in Luke twenty four didn't recognize him. There may be a little bit more stronger evidence along that line, because they seem like they really did know him. They had time just to walk along the road and talk to him. They weren't expecting to see him. But still, I'm not sure what to do with all that. I mean, I think there's explanations you can make on both sides, Ethan. Like he was dead,
1: so you wouldn't expect that the man he, that she wouldn't expect the man she was talking to to be him because he was supposed to be dead was it supposed
0: to be alive and breathing? Yeah, yeah. You, you, your expectations sometimes really do affect what you see. I mean, you know, if you saw somebody die, and then suddenly the next day you see something, are you going to assume that it's that person? You knew they were dead. I mean, so I, I think there is room to ask the question, were there some changes in Jesus' body? Not willing to affirm there were, but I'm willing to suggest the idea. But it still, apparently, is a flesh and blood body. He does eat, and he's still got the wounds. Cameron.
1: But even before he was um, crucified, he was still like an ordinary man, and hard to. It wasn't, like, easy to tell that he's Jesus. Like, Jesus had to betray him with a kiss.
0: Yes, although there's a debate about that. I think they could have identified jesus with the greatest of ease that what judas was doing was really guiding them to where jesus was hanging out at night and the kiss was just sort of the high sign not necessary for them to know which one he was that's what i think yes uh. hasn't jesus in the past when they you
1: know pick up stones and stone he makes himself where he they can't recognize him, they don't know where he is, he just disappears. He, he, I mean, Jesus had this ability, I, I would I mean he has the ability before and after the crucifixion
0: to this. To... you may be right. <laughs> you know, some interpret that as just he managed to slip through. Not that he made himself look different. But maybe maybe he did, or maybe he suddenly just sort of vanished. Look. What passages do we have in the background story on Mary Bang? Luke 8 I believe is the text that would be most relevant to her Uh, Luke 8 and verse uh, 2 uh, there's some women following Jesus who've been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses Mary who was called Magdalene from whom seven demons had gone out, now there are people who think that the sinner woman who anoints Jesus' feet in the last 15 verses of Luke 7 was Mary Magdalene maybe but I really don't think we've got a strong case to affirm it. Still might have been, but I'm very hesitant to assume that, but most scholars would assume that. What, what it's that right before it mentions Mary Magdalene and she was a sinner. You know, I mean, then some of them try to conflate the story of this anointing with Matthew, Mark, and John's anointing by Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, which I don't believe was the same anointing. I don't believe really it has anything to do with it. But if you thought it was, then you've also got the name Mary. But no indication that Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, ever had demons or was Mary Magdalene. You have a bunch of Marys in the Bible. I don't think there is really strong evidence. Obviously, you have to say it could have been her. It could have been a lot of women. You really don't know. Um, but that's that's the evidence. I think the strongest is well, right after that, it does mention Mary. <laughs> but to me, that falls way short of proof. Well Joanna, Stewart, Susanna. Right. Yeah, it mentions some other women in that same context. So, Nathan,
1: um, was there any significance to Jesus saying, um, "I'm listening to my Father and your Father, my God and your God"?
0: Good point. I think some. I mean I think he is indicating that his relationship to God was not the same as their relationship to God.
1: Is this the first time that we see him saying your father though? And your God? Or does he say it before to the apostles?
0: I don't have an answer on that. I can't think of a place where he does, but he may have. Okay. I don't know. I was just curious. Yeah, good question. Other thoughts? Okay, how about 19 to 20, uh, well, 19 to 29.
1: as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, you are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, you have them. Now, Thomas called the king, one of the twelve, was not with them, but he was The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hand. Reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving but believe." And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord, my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me have believed; Blessed are those who have not seen me and have me.
0: So Jesus appears. Same day he was raised, but in the evening where the disciples had the doors shut, fearful of the Jews, suddenly he's there saying, peace be with you. He shows him his hands and his feet. The disciples rejoice. He offers him his peace and says, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. What's that saying to the disciples? You have a mission to accomplish? Amen. There's a mission. You've got to work to do. You know, God, when God sent Jesus, he didn't send him to just uh, you know, vacation a little down here, you know, have a little sightseeing tour. He sent him with a job. He sent him with a purpose. We have the same. We have also been sent with a mission and purpose. And we need, as disciples of Christ, to be much more mission-minded, much more impassioned about the work God's given us to do so he said I'm sending you just like the Father sent me it's interesting that in the Gospel of John over 40 times Jesus is said to have been sent by God so for him now to use that term for the disciples is significant he he breathes on them and says for them to receive the Holy Spirit and that they will declare the terms of forgiveness they are the ones that are going to have The revelation from God that will decide whether men's sins are forgiven or retained. Comments and questions through verse 23 on this first visit of Jesus with the disciples on that night of the first day of the week. Jason. On the first the Holy Spirit, what does that mean? It means that they're to receive the Holy Spirit. When? In what
1: way? Were they actually
0: on him, or? I can preach it either way <laughs> but I'm slightly inclined to think the evidence is a little stronger to think this is a promise that will be fulfilled in Acts 2 other thoughts? tried to observe the Passover on that, did you know the slogan? Um.
1: I was looking at verse 23 after he talked about like, if you forgive the sins of many other sins, you've been forgiven. if you retain the sins of many, they have been retained. What does that mean? Because I mean, it's like, you know, Jesus said we're not supposed to hold grudges against people.
0: Or- well, these are the apostles. They have the revealing power to declare the conditions upon which men receive forgiveness or not. So I think that's what he's saying. You, Your word determines... Whether there uh, minus minus were given or not,
2: Eric? I just had this idea when I was reading this. Since this was the first day of the week after Jesus had been risen, is there any chance that maybe when they were gathered together here, they would have been doing communion too? Or
0: well, I can't say there's no chance, but I'm not necessarily inclined to imagine they understood all of that already. Okay. Other comments? Yeah, Michael. Um
1: in uh, 1 Corinthians 15.5 where it talks about the resurrection it talks about how uh, Jesus and who he, he all appeared to and it mentions that he appeared to the twelve. Was Judas part of this meeting? Where was that? Uh, 1 Corinthians 15.5
0: Yeah, good good point. point 1 Corinthians 15.5 uh, you've got uh, he appeared to Cephas then to the twelve then to more than 500 brethren at once, and so forth. How do you explain that he appeared to the 12? I mean, here, how many did he appear to? Well, 11 at first, yeah. but he 10. No Judas and no Thomas. Then he finally appears to the 11. When did he ever appear to the 12? How would you answer that? He had to have been. Okay, Yeah, had to be witnessed by Matthias at some point, Peter Yeah, that, that was my
1: point Paul said yeah. that, uh, you know, he appeared Jesus
0: appeared to him, yeah. So, I would I think that makes
1: sense Maybe That oh. just be an accommodative term To all of them
0: That's what I think I think they're the twelve, even if there's only eleven of them <laughs> You know, I, we use the term the twelve Especially in the gospels so much That they are the twelve You know, I mean don't we still have the Big Ten? <laughs> How many teams are in it? 11. Eleven. <laughs> Isn't that weird? I don't know what they're going to do if they add another one. Uh, are we still going to be the Big Ten? Uh, the Big 12's already taken. I uh, don't know what's going to happen if they change numbers. But, you know, we, we do that sometimes. It's always the Big Ten. You know, 11 schools. But. Yeah, Shane. I was able to pass over. I'm so curious about
1: too. Why did he on that? I don't know.
0: <laughs> I'd like to know that myself Brian
1: that verse there in 23 it talked about forgiving the sins um, I don't know what the grammar is like in the Greek but the new American standard says if you forgive the sins of any, they have been forgiven them so it's not that they choose who's forgiven then God will forgive the ones that the apostles choose it's that God has forgiven them and they're the ones that reveal that to
0: others. At least they're revealing the conditions of forgiveness. I think there's some debate as to how far you could press the grammar on that. I'm not sure. The,
1: and this could be extremely far-fetched, but in response to the breathing on um, God breathed into Adam's nostrils to give him the breath of life. Maybe
0: it's a signifying a new life that you're taking out. As good as anything I've got. so We'll go with this. Other thoughts? Caleb. Would you like to comment on the supposed discrepancy
1: between the chronology of the appearances after the resurrection in John's Gospel and
0: the synopsis? Well you know, I'm not sure which discrepancies you may have in mind. You know, I really don't think there is a huge problem depending on what assumptions you make. I think when you put all the accounts together, they all do fit together. Now, I mean, some Gospels just really omit several things. You wouldn't necessarily have known that Mary got there first and ran back and things like that, but there's nothing to think that she wouldn't have. I think you can put them all together and make a a whole story that fits all the evidence. I think that's what you have to do in the Gospels. It is not surprising. It's what you do in eyewitness accounts of anything. You know, you're gonna one eyewitness is gonna tell about some angles or some events, and another about others. Is there something specific that you think is particularly complicated about that? Yeah, I don't think there's a big problem with that from what I've seen. But you do have to really take all the evidence and kind of work with it and lay it side by side, and I think the the picture will emerge. People deal with that a lot, but I, I haven't seen that there was a huge problem with it. So, there may be something I am not, know, I don't know about. That, that Mostly
1: those discre- those um, changes in between the synoptics and John um, are just like Jewish tradition. If all of them had said the same thing, the Jews would th- probably think it's rigged. Like, um, in the court system, if all the testimonies were given, they were exactly the same, they would immediately
0: testimony. Sure, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, you do have independent witnesses. They're accurate, but they're not complete, and they're told from a particular angle. That doesn't make them wrong at all, but it does mean you're kind of focusing on certain aspects. Um, you'd always have that in eyewitness reports in anything. Even absolutely accurate eyewitness reports are not identical because there's different details to tell, and different angles on how to tell those. Certainly, though, the point you make, I mean, if there had been collusion, they wouldn't have allowed any apparent discrepancy. Thomas wasn't there. Jesus really just appeared to the ten. What's he think when the others tell him Jesus was raised? You're playing a practical joke on me. He won't believe it. In fact, he won't believe it unless what? I gotta put my hand in the nails and and, and 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 have my hand into his side. I mean I won't believe until I actually touch the hole in his side. Now why is Thomas so skeptical and so stubborn here? He was a pretty negative guy from other things we see in the Gospels. Why would he be so negative about this? What's he fearing? Yes, he's fearing false hope. He's dreading being disillusioned. You don't want to believe something that's too good to be true because then it'll turn out to be too good to be true and you'll just be let down. He is not the kind of guy who wants to be let down. So he would rather just not believe it. And not not have to fear that. I think that's where he's at. But thank God, because this makes him so much more a more credible witness. He's not a believer until he has absolutely uh, undeniable evidence. A week later, Jesus is there, and Thomas was too, and he says, "Thomas, okay, put your finger here, and put your hand in my side." Well, Thomas, I don't think even needed that once he saw Jesus, and he says, "My Lord and my God." Thomas believes Jesus is God once he sees him after he was killed. That his skepticism makes his testimony stronger. Comments or questions through verse twenty-nine.
2: There were people who were dead who were raised from the dead when Jesus was resurrected. It uh, talks yes. about that in Matthew. Matthew 27. So those people were dead, and now they're alive again. So do we have any indications, like were those people like given more years to live? Or what became of those people? And, and think of the people that saw
0: those who used to be dead walking around in the city. Yes. That was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know what happened to them. That's Matthew 27, 52, and 53. I believe that they actually came out of the tombs when Jesus was raised, or upon his resurrection. But yeah, wow, that was interesting. Uh, I don't know what happened.
2: Spiritual significance of that, I mean.
0: Perhaps the fact that Jesus' resurrection will involve, ultimately, the resurrection of all men. This is kind of a sign of that, in my judgment. That was such a big thing, I'm, it's amazing, only Matthew tells about it. <laughs> yeah, Logan.
1: Um, why is uh, Thomas called infamous? Uh He was a
0: twin, that's, that's a, okay. that means twin. And
1: also, when Jesus says uh, blessed are those who have not seen yet still believe, is he doubting Thomas for being skeptical or is there a different thing
0: to that? Well, in a sense, yeah, I mean, We aren't going to be privileged with the privilege Thomas had, so he's focusing on us. Micah? Um,
1: I do agree with that, but I also see it from the perspective that as a skeptic, he needed to make sure that his faith was his own instead of just um, blindly following the testimony of other people. He had to experience it, in a sense, support himself.
0: But following um, well-confirmed testimony is not blind. And that's it's what we do.
1: Easier. It's easier to believe in something that you can see. You can believe something that <coughs> exists when you can't see it or grasp it or touch it. That's belief beyond measure.
0: Though we all seem to believe in electricity, but yes, you're right. Russ? Obviously,
1: all we
0: have is <laughs> what we testimony now. Exactly. We are in this position of blessed are those who have not seen the yet belief. Other comments or questions? All right. Um, rather than feel under time pressure here, we got plenty of time to complete this book because uh, we'll do it uh, next three weeks from so, now, I think. we have our next singing. Probably complete this and go on to a minor profit or whatever we choose to do. Uh, so uh, why don't we just stop here We do have several things to do to get ourselves all together.